in this room carrying. Uh, I don't know what has you burdened. We all walking through all kinds of situations. Be encouraged today. God's good. You're not alone. He's with you. He's with you in this place. Lord, we thank you that we're not alone. Lord, we thank you that you're good. Irregardless of what the enemy says in our mind. Lord, how he accuses us, Lord, about what we're not and our struggles and our pains. God, we thank you that we are more than conquerors through you, Jesus. Lord, we lift up your name here this morning. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just give God praise all over the house? Awesome. Hey, give somebody a fist bump around you. Tell them welcome to City Hills, and you can be Seated. <laughs> what is up? What is up? Hey, could you do me a favor and give a hand to all those who are joining us for the first time here today? What's up? We're glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming. We're excited. It's Easter season. We are pumped about all that God is doing here in church life. And uh, we're glad you're here. We are so glad that you're here. Easter week, we just kicked off. Um, we're, we're having some invitations here today you can take and give out. We're having Easter services Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So tons of opportunities to invite people to come with you. A Good Friday, it would be our first time we've done a Good Friday experience. It's just going to be awesome. And we are so, so glad you're here. And we're, we're in a series called Jesus Changes Everything. And because that's exactly what I believe. And uh, I just thought we'd just do a series that just says exactly how I feel, that everything in our lives, Jesus can change. He's changing everything in my life. I'm not what I used to be, but thank God I'm not what I'm going to be, that we're all in a process uh, for what all God has for our lives. So, hey, let's turn to John chapter 4, and we're going to look at a time in the life of Jesus that was so powerful. He was an itinerant preacher, which means he traveled and went from town to town and taught about the kingdom of God. But one time in the book of John chapter 4, he makes a detour from his kind of normal area of ministry. And he tells his disciples, hey, I need to go through a place called Samaria. Which the interesting thing about that is good Jews didn't go to Samaria. It was kind of like a place on the other side of the tracks, if you will. It was a place where you didn't go. But I'm so thankful Jesus went to places other people wouldn't go to. And, and Jesus isn't afraid to, to touch and to reach out to people that other people may have given up on. And uh, he finds this lady, uh, we call her the woman at the well. And he starts talking to her and loving her and teaching her about the kingdom of God. And, and, and she finds hope. And she wants to share it with everybody around her. So I just, I'm giving you the, the backstory because I want you to get the gravity of what's happened in this story. Because it's, to me, one of the funniest stories uh, in the gospel accounts. Because, so while Jesus is at this well having a conversation with this lady, the disciples, they're out getting food. So they're getting uh, some, some chipotle. And they got an order going, and they're getting the guac because the guac is extra, but it's worth it. And they're, they're doing that. And so they're off getting food while Jesus is, is talking to this lady. So here we go. That was a long introduction, but here we go. John chapter 4, verse 27. It says, Then his disciples returned, so they returned from getting food, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. 
So not only was she a Samaritan, she was a she. <laughs> you weren't supposed to talk uh, to women in those days, but, but Jesus just kind of broke through every barrier. It said, but no one asked what you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, which is a beautiful picture of, that was kind of her life, her sustenance. She just left everything behind. And she went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. If I could add a parenthetical statement there, I would say, and loved me anyway. Come see someone who knew everything that I had ever done, but he loved me anyway. He said, could this be the Messiah? And they came out to him. Uh, they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. So imagine the scene. People are coming to Jesus from the town, from his witnessing to this lady. And at the same time, the disciples are coming back with lunch. And they say this in verse 31, Rabbi, eat something. So I'm encouraged by the disciples because they're totally clueless, just like I can be sometimes. They're worried about chips and salsa, and they're worried about lunch. They're worried about, and Jesus is like saving this lady's soul. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. It's a fancy way of saying you guys totally missed it. And they did totally miss it because the next verse they said to each other, man, who brought him food? Like, did somebody bring him food that we didn't know about? My food, Jesus says, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? In other words, Jesus was saying, you easily put off making a difference in the lives of people saying, oh, we'll harvest some other time. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Could you say those three words with me? Open your eyes. Open your eyes. That's what Jesus was wanting his disciples to do. And that's what I want to talk about today. I just want to title this message, Jesus Opened My Eyes. He opened my eyes. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for your truth. Open our eyes today. Thank you that you change everything. Change the way we see people. Lord, would you speak more in this message than I could speak in a lifetime of messages? Lord, we thank you that you're here, that you're with us here today. We worship you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Awesome. We are glad you're here. Hey, we have, I think, our youngest member here today. I saw uh, Ethan Johnson in that car carrier back there in the back corner, newborn. Uh, we're, we're excited, all the life and all the babies. I see, I see baby carriers all over the house. This is, this is good. This is good. Uh, we, we, um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I love stories about rescue. I love stories of true stories about rescue. I'm a documentaries kind of guy. Anybody you enjoy watching documentaries? I can watch documentaries, and the and and the crazier the the rescue attempt, the more I'm interested in it. I, I will watch somebody that's you know that's on the side of a mountain in Tibet, you know, being rescued, and I, I love hearing about real life rescue attempts um, and. And, and, and there's something about a rescue that causes our attention to just be captivated. I don't know if you remember in 1987, um, there was a rescue of a little girl named Jessica that captivated our entire nation. Anybody remember that? A little girl left alone outside for five minutes in Midland, Texas, falls into a well and uh, is there for 58 hours. And literally the whole country nearly stopped and focused on this one little girl to do everything that they could do to get her saved and to get her out of that situation. And, 
And, and, and literally, they drilled down parallel to the well. They were afraid it was going to collapse. They drilled down, and they rescued this little girl. And, the, man, the whole nation rejoiced. That there, was, there was such a tension giving, given to that rescue attempt. I, I think about, in more recent years, the Chilean miners that were stuck in, in, the, in the nation of Chile. I don't know if you remember that. Um, I come from a coal mining family. My family's all in the coal industry, and that this story kind of connects with my family story because my father was leader of the company that in America that kind of helped um, with the innovation that they, they initially thought it was going to be a 10-month rescue. These men stuck under in a, in a collapsed mine shaft in Chile, they thought it would take 10 months. And um, the, with the whole world's minds kind of came together and companies all over the world, and specifically in, in America, they came together and, and developed technology. And in 58 days, they rescued these men. And they were just, they were, they were excited. I mean, they were, the, the, the stories are absolutely unbelievable. And I... I'm sure you're like me. You remember uh, just seeing those men you know, emerge from what they thought was going to be their demise. But the whole world and the ingenuity of the whole world came together to just reach for this one group of people, for this family, for this family of men, these miners, these people that were down, stuck down below. And, and there's something about me that just is, it, it's, it's something about a rescue that, man, I love hearing the stories uh, of rescues. And, and I, I, want, I want to tell you that the story of Jesus is the story of a rescue mission. Jesus was clear that he did not come to, 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 to call the righteous, but he came to reach for sinners. In other words, he came on a rescue mission. He, he came for people whose worlds had caved in around them and that were in need of hope and healing. Jesus came to rescue broken people. He came to rescue people that were in need, people that had questions, people that felt like their world was caving in. And of all the rescues that there's ever been, this was by far the most expensive rescue mission, the most innovative rescue mission that there ever has been. The very Son of God was the price that was paid for this rescue mission. And I thank God that He found me on that rescue mission. I don't know about you, but I remember the day that Jesus found me. I grew up in a church environment. I knew all about religion. But it's one thing to have your body in a church. It's another thing to have your heart there, right? And I grew up with my body in a building, but my heart far from God. And I'll never forget at a youth camp in the middle of Kentucky, a little town called Summersville, at a youth camp in Summersville, Kentucky, at a message was preached much like what I'm preaching today. And in the end of that message, I, on a concrete floor, it didn't have leprosy as bad as the leprosy floor we have here in our building. But on a concrete floor, I, I, I can say that I met Jesus Christ and my life has been changed. I believe I'm talking to some people today that your life has been changed by the power of God. Jesus was on a rescue mission. Never forget it. Jesus didn't come just to make life more comfortable. He, came, he, he didn't just came, come to make our lives better. He came to make dead people alive. He came to make bound people free. He didn't come to just take us to heaven. He came to use us to bring heaven to earth. Jesus, this is his mission. And he invites us to join him on his mission. This is the story of the disciples. It's a story of him inviting them to join him on his mission. And the thing I love about the disciples, as I said earlier, is they, they missed it more than they hit it. I mean, they, they totally missed it. In, in this situation with this lady, Jesus had 
went out of his way to reach for this one lady. And here come the disciples. They're focused on themselves. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, open their eyes that they can see people. That they could see, and, and literally, there were people walking up, and I'm just, I'm just, I can just imagine Jesus saying, open their eyes so that they see what's really important in life. I, 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 I have trouble seeing. Since I was in third grade, I've, I've, wore, I've wore glasses. How many of you, your contact, you wear contacts or, or glasses, all you contacts people, you're incognito? But whenever I was in third grade, I, I had to get glasses because I could see things on my desk, but I couldn't see anything on the board where the teacher was teaching. I was, a, I was what they call um, nearsighted. I get so confused whenever I have to describe what I am <laughs> because it's the only condition that names the condition after what you can see. You know, like, you know, it, 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 I, I don't have a trouble. I don't have trouble seeing near, but it's it's nearsighted. So I'm nearsighted. And, and which means, which means, I, I, you just you just look like a like a bunch of blurs, like a bunch of blurry faces. But 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 right here, I am very clear. Uh, I, I, my world right here around me, I can stand here and I can pretty much see everything. But but here's the problem: I can't see you. And and, and I think what Jesus was trying to say to those disciples is, guys, you're nearsighted. You're looking at your world. You're looking at your life like this whole situation's very clear to you, your life, your world, but you forget that there's people out there that need what you have, and this is not about lunch. This is about a rescue mission for people that are broken. And so Jesus tries to tell them to, whew, I can see. So, so, so why do we get spiritually nearsighted? If I can say this, why do I get spiritually nearsighted? Why did these disciples only focus on their own needs. Here, here we go. Uh, first of all, I think because we're blinded by our own needs. We're blinded. These disciples inevitably were hungry. They had you know, been busy about ministry. They had walked a long way. They, they had needs. They had, they, they, they had a life. And, and I think a lot of times we don't see the needs of others because we're so focused on our world, our career, our family, our job. And can I tell you, God wants to bless your life. Come on, somebody. You believe that. God wants to bless your life. But, 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 but when we only focus on our world, we miss the reality that the reason God wants to bless our lives is so that we can be a blessing in the life of somebody else. The scripture says that God comforts us in times of need so that we can comfort others. In other words, it's not just about us. One of the ways in my life that I can see if I'm being spiritually nearsighted and missing the point is by the way that I pray. Here's a question for you. If all your prayers got answered, would it change the world or would it just change your world? You see, it's so easy to get insulated and isolated from the people around us and we miss the fact that this is not just about our lives. It's not just about our world. And I know messages like this are really hard 
on Sunday mornings because all of us have needs in our world, right? Like all of us walk in here with, with situations that we're walking through and questions that need answers and, and, and healings that need to take place and, and doors that need to open and decisions that need to be made. And, and, and there's this desire of, there's this easy uh, way that we can kind of get in a rhythm as church and say, you know what, church is just all about me coming and getting what I need from Jesus. And thank God that God touches us and heals us and gives us direction and touches our needs. But can I tell you this? I believe if Jesus was here today, he would not just be concerned about this place. He would be concerned about people that are not yet in this place. Or if I could say it this way, I don't think Jesus's focus is as much on this room as we think it is sometimes. I think he would say to us, man, I, I, have, some, I have some people out there that woke up this morning without hope. I have some people this morning that, that woke up without direction. I have some people that woke up this morning, and, and I know you have needs, but, 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 but would you join me on the mission? Guys, I know you're hungry. I know you have needs, but, but I'm going to take care of you. Can I tell you, church, Jesus is going to take care of every need that you have. And when you understand that, he says, okay, now come on and be a part of the mission. Open your eyes. Here's the second reason I think that I get spiritually nearsighted is and we, we're jaded by the problems of people. We get jaded along the way. At least I know I do. The disciples, bless you, the disciples, <laughs> the disciples were uh, inevitably surrounded by these needs all the time. I mean, people sick, people begging for food, people begging for money. And he was just surrounded by needy people all the time. And, 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 and if we don't watch it, it's so easy. I don't know if your heart works like mine, but it's so easy to just get jaded by all the needs around us and all the people. And you see somebody in need, you're like, okay, another again, just another person. And, and, and I just have to believe that these disciples got this idea in their mind, oh, it's just another person that Jesus is talking to. It's just another lady, just somebody else in need. And they just get jaded along the way instead of realizing, no, this is not just somebody to God. This is the person that Jesus has, is moving heaven and earth like he's on a rescue mission and that's the whole reason he came this is not just another lady to Jesus this is someone this is his daughter this is someone that he loves he sees potential in that lady I never forget whenever I bought my first home I bought a, I bought a little house in my hometown in Kentucky I was 18 years old and I had saved up a little bit of money and man I'm so thankful for the wisdom of my family that said hey don't waste that money, invest that money. And uh, I invested in, in just to a little bitty house, a little three-bedroom, one-bathroom house. Uh, and it was in shambles. I mean, it was the front door was falling off. It had ugly siding that was dated and probably, you know, was giving somebody some disease. It was, it was, it was bad. And you walked in, and it had, uh, it had this, these walls that had holes in it, and uh, uh, it, it had paneling that had holes in it, and people had just stuck things through it. And, and when you went in the kitchen, it had green linoleum with no telling how many years just of nastiness on top of it, and, and it had this countertop that was falling down and in the kitchen it had wallpaper that were that was baby blue with little white ducks with pink bow ties <laughs> and I'll never forget we, we got in there and and I didn't have much money to fix it up I spent all my money on the down payment we just started we were working on it and 
and uh, I found a deal and I got some new linoleum in there and found a new countertop and thank the Lord we took the ducks down and, and, uh, and we didn't have the money to, 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 to fix the paneling so we just kind of tried to patch it as much and we tried to paint over it and we fixed the door that was falling off and we, we were just doing it and I'll never forget I brought a friend over uh, that was t- to look at the house that was from school and I said man look at the house that I bought and I'll, whenever he got out of his car it was very quickly apparent he did not see in that house what I saw in that house <laughs> He looked at me like, Brandon, what are you smoking, man? Like, what do you look, what have you bought? Like, what have you bought? And so, and so for me, I'm walking him through, like showing him, you know, what it's going to be. And he's only looking at what it is. In other words, I was seeing it through the eyes of potential and he was seeing it through just what it was. And the only difference was that that was not just any house on the block. That was my house. And it wasn't just any house. It was my house because I had paid a price for that house. Can I tell you how God looks at a life? You're not just any old person on the street. You are your son, his son. You are his daughter. That you're not just any old person. God does not see you through the lens of your problems. He sees you through the lens of your potential. He doesn't just see the problems. He says, you know what? Oh, I'm so glad they're at church today. I'm just going to help them learn a little bit more. And they're going to grow in me. Maybe today will be the day where this gets changed and that gets changed. In other words, God sees us differently because of the price that he's paid for our lives. Because of the price. So we're blinded by our own needs. We get jaded by people. We're busy. Jesus, we're busy. I don't have time to do that. You know, just kind of about my life here. And when we do that, the third thing that happens is we miss the heart of God. We miss the heart of God. God loves us so much. God loves you so much today. But in the nicest way, in the kindest way I know to say, it's not about us. Jesus, his focus is on those who are lost. Those who are lost. I love the fact that Jesus calls people that are far from him lost. I know that can kind of be something that's frowned upon today. Oh, that's lost. That's terrible. You know what? To me, the word lost implies value because I've never called something lost that was not valuable to me. Like something, some, I never called something lost uh, that, that, that wasn't valuable. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't get a piece of trash and I'm like, oh, I lost it in the trash can. Like I got to find it. I lost it. No, 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 but, but if it's something that's valuable, one time my wife lost the diamond in her wedding ring at a TGI Fridays, and let me tell you, we had every server in that TGI Fridays, I mean, we had a, we, I was a student pastor for years, and we had 70 teenagers on a bus, and I had all 70, like little worker bees, looking all over that TGI Fridays, and we found it in her purse whenever it was all said and done. But it was lost. And it wasn't like, well, no big deal. No, 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 that was, that was very special. That was very valuable. That was very, very important. Do you know that Jesus is not stopping until you're found, until you're put in your proper place? That's why you're here today, because he's still pursuing us. He's still seeing us. He wants us to be in the proper place that he's called us to be. It would be like me losing one of my sons. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before where you, one of your kids kind of gets away from you for a moment and, and 
it just, just scares you to death. I, I, I can kind of be absent-minded, and, and sometimes I can get focused and, and not think about kind of what's happening around me. And my middle son, Carter, was hanging out here with me at church a few months ago, and, 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 and I was just busy doing stuff. I was in here. I was out there. I was just kind of all over this building. And I, it, it dawned on me that I haven't heard anything from Carter in like an hour. So just give me the dad of the year pen, I'm sure. I had to confess this first service. My wife heard me telling the story, but, but, but I just realized I'd been busy and, I, and I, hadn't, I hadn't focused on him. And so I just started looking and everywhere I knew to look for him, I, couldn't, I didn't see him. I, I looked everywhere. I looked, I looked outside. I walked around. And it got to the point where I started getting a little scared. I started thinking, okay, what happened if he went outside? What if somebody picked him up? What if, you know, and your, your mind just goes through all of these realities and I was just frantic just looking everywhere and screaming and yelling and trying to find him and I go in my office and I sit down at my desk and my feet kick my son Carter and he was at he was asleep at my feet like a little puppy on the floor but that feeling I I, I can just imagine like God has lost kids I just want that to sink in with our hearts in our hearts today. I know this, just God has lost kids. God has kids that you're going to see today at the restaurant. Some of them are lost, and 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 and, and we miss His heart when the meal just becomes about us instead of trying to reach out and love and care for. I just hope you're hearing the heart of the message. It's such a simple message today, but I just want you to know that because of the life of Jesus, we have a mission to live our lives by, that, that life is not just about us. Church is not just about us. City Hills Church is not about us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. Like the reason we come here is so that we can get equipped to go there and to love and to serve, to care for people. So here's three ways Three ways for our eyes to be opened and for us to reach the people in our world. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. I just want to bring our attention to the fact that this is God's plan A and there's not a plan B. <laughs> like the church is how God is wanting to reach our world. There's no plan B. Like, if we're waiting for God to reach our workplace or our neighborhood or our school from some other way or some miraculous sign or something to happen or some perfect thing, it's never going to happen. We have to accept responsibility that, hey, it is us. I want to show it to you in the scripture. Ephesians 3.10. It, it's his intent that now through the church, get that, through us. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. So in other words, there are people that their lives are ruled by the things of this world, by, by spiritual authorities and, 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 and attitudes and spirits and, and things that the enemy's like, oh yes, I have them in my grasp. They're not seeing my grace. They're not seeing the, they're not seeing the grace of God. They're not seeing the love of God. And Ephesians said, let me give you, into, let me show you the plan. Here's how I'm going to reach those people. It's the church the church it's us there is no plan b second corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 says we are therefore 
get this, Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, God doesn't expect you to change the world. God simply asks you to change your world. Change your world. Do what you can do. Love, serve. We end every service here by saying, love God, love people, and change your world. Ah, see you next week, City Hill. I can do it in my sleep. Sometimes I do. <laughs> what? But, but, but I mean that. You love God with all your heart. And then every person God brings in your path, you love them with everything that you have. And I promise you will change your world. It's, it's accepting responsibility to say the only way that my street is going to be reached with the gospel, it's me. Like when you drive home, I want you to feel the, like the responsibility you feel for your family. I want you to pull up onto your block and feel some responsibility for the people around you, for that neighbor that gets on your nerves, for the person whose dog does a mess in your yard, for all those people around you that's so easy to just get focused on me. God says that those people are far from God. You're the ambassador. You're the person that's there. So, 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 how, so how are we representing him to the world around us? Here, here's, here's the second thing. So, so take responsibility. This is, I love this one. Number two, be real. Be real. The thing I love about this story with Jesus is he got on this lady's level. You know, the whole story of the gospel is that God came to our level. Why do we expect people that are far from God to come to our level before we'll love them, before we'll include them, before we'll give grace to them. Jesus was an includer. He, he drew circles and where everyone else was drawing lines and saying, okay, you're bad, we're good. Jesus said, no, 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 no. We all, you're all walking through situations that need help and need life. See, see, see what, what, what I'm learning is that I can either make a point or I can make a difference, but I rarely get an opportunity to make both. You, you can either win souls or win arguments, but you rarely do the same. Like, like, like you're not going to win souls by, by being that person on Facebook that wins arguments all the time with people. It's going to be through the way that you love people and through the way that you care for people. Jesus, the Bible says, was full of two things. Grace, could you say that with me? Grace and truth. Could you say that with me? Truth. He was full of grace and truth. And the order is so important, grace goes first. I've been trying to teach my boys, when we go to a restaurant, open a door and say, ladies first. That's hard for them. <laughs> ladies first. I, I believe God would say as we hold the door for the broken people in our world, grace goes first. I know you have truth, and Jesus gave truth, but because he gave the grace first, this lady was open to the truth. And so many times, people aren't open to truth because we haven't first given them the grace that Jesus first gave us. Let's never forget that we ourselves have been saved by the grace of God. Let's never forget that we ourselves were broken and He reached for us and He cared for us. That, that, that Jesus didn't see us through our problems, but He saw us 
for, for what we were going to be. It's like with our kids. We see our kid, other people's kids through their actions. We're like, man, look at that kid in a restaurant. He's being loud. Well, that kid's a brat. What a bratty kid. If that was my kid, that's what I would tell him to do. And then your kid does the exact same thing, and you're like, he's so passionate. <laughs> man, if I could just get that passion. We're going we're gonna to use it. Hey, let's fast and pray for passion. He's going to be the president someday. He's going to be a preacher someday. He's going to do something so good. Why? Because you're seeing them not by their actions, but you're seeing them for the value of who they are. You can approve of people and not approve of what they do. And that's hard. Jesus did not only give grace. That just leads to liberalism or well, it doesn't matter how you live. That's not how Jesus lived. But, but, but truth without grace is legalism. And that's religion. That's, that's how a lot of us have encountered church. It's just, it's just legalism. It's, it's truth, but no grace. But see, Jesus was grace and truth. City Hills, you know what we're called to be? Grace. You know what else we're called to be? Truth. This is a place where, 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 where God loves you just, can I say it this way? God loves you just the way you are, but too much to keep you that way. Starts with grace. So be real. Never forget, God never called you to be judge, prosecutor, jury, or defendant. Your job is to be a witness. That's it. I love the concept of being a witness because being a witness has just one job. Just tell what you saw. Tell your story. You know how we be real? Just be honest. Be real. I, one of the greatest two words, two of the greatest words that, that you'll ever learn to say or that, that I'm, I'm learning to say as a, as a pastor, as a leader, is the words, me too. Sometimes people come up telling me, about some question that they have about God or, man, some, you know, how the cosmic, you know, works and how the, you know, all these big things. And they come to me expecting as a pastor to have all the answers. And they're like, I'm just, I don't know. And I'm like, well, me too. Like, <laughs> I have questions, doubts, and fears too. See, see, people that don't believe assume that everybody who believes has it all figured out. But, but what I know is that, you know what, I need the grace of God every single day too. And, and, and just be real, just be honest. And, and, and here's what I'll say, you know what, I don't know every question of the cosmos and, and I'm growing and learning every day. That's why I get on my knees every morning and pray. That's why I worship. That's why I come to church on Sunday. I don't come to church because I'm perfect. I come to church because I need God and I need a new perspective and I need His Spirit and I need His power if I'm going to live the life that He's called me to live and and i don't come because i'm perfect i'll come because i'm imperfect and i need god and 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 i just i love jesus that he was real if there's anyone that could have stood in the distance and condemned people it, it was him just like the story in john chapter 8 when uh, these this group of men they caught a woman in the middle of adultery and brought her in front of jesus and just kind of dropped her in front of the synagogue in public shame and said, the law says we're supposed to kill her. What do you say? And at that day, grace meets truth. And the Bible says that Jesus ignored them and he bent down and he put his hands in the dirt. People have 
thought for years, what was Jesus saying and what was Jesus doing? What was he writing? And one pastor said, well, he was writing the names of all those men who accused her. He was writing the names of all their mistresses like Sally, (laughs) Tammy. (laughs) And one by one, they're turning around. I don't know what he said, what he was doing. but, But here's what I believe. I'll put my two cents in. I think that lady in a very broken state, in a very dirty place. It was showing her and showing all of us what he does best, and that's to bring beauty out of the dirt, to bring purpose out of the dirt, because that's what Jesus does. And that's the third thing we do. We need to take responsibility. We need to be real. And thirdly, we need to see value in people. Jesus saw value in people other people threw away. Jesus sees value in dirt. He sees value in dirty things. Hey, can I tell you, City Hills, don't forget that you're nothing but a pile of dirt. Come on, tell your neighbor that. Say, you're nothing but dirt. Just want to encourage you here today. That's what Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says. Some of y'all are enjoying that way too much. Like somebody came alive in this message whenever I said that. Genesis 2, 7 says, The Lord God formed man out of the dirt of the ground, the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man, we're dirt. We're dirt. We're dirt. If you ever wanted to be encouraged, just remember, you're dirt. (laughs) Think of all the things we do for our dirt. This morning, I hope you washed your dirt. Some of us put deodorant on our dirt. Some of us, uh, we, we, well, I hope you did. We all have clothes on our dirt today. <laughs> Some of y'all recently have got nice clothes for your dirt. Ladies, think of all the money you spend on your dirt. You manicure your dirt. You pedicure your dirt. Billions of dollars every year is spent on dirt surgery. Some people get dirt lifts. So God, you dirt, seriously? Why didn't you made the streets in heaven out of gold? Why did you make us out of dirt? What's the big deal with dirt, God? God say, here's the thing with dirt. Dirt on the surface may seem not very valuable, but dirt is the only thing that you can put a seed into. Can I tell you? To other people, you may not be very valuable, but God sees potential in your dirt. God sees potential in the dirty situations in your life and the things you don't have figured out like this woman at a well after having five husbands and she was trying to hide who she was and she was trying to project who she was to other people and Jesus was saying to her, I know what you are, but I love you right where you are and if you'll give me your dirt, I'll put an everlasting eternal seed into your heart and that seed will spring up into eternal life and you'll make a difference and you'll change your city and you'll change the world because there's value in you church everywhere we go we need to be seeing the value 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 person broken on the side of the street valuable person that's hurt us valuable person we sit by next sit by at school valuable person that takes our order at the restaurant valuable value see It's much like this $100 bill. Anybody would like 
to have this value. Come on, somebody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Benjamin Franklin. I've ever seen a crisp, crisp hundred. How many would like this? Just, just show your hands. Let's participate with them. There we go. Come on. Thank you, Lord. I have a question for you now. That's how it was in my wallet. How many want it now? Seriously? It's, it's, I don't know. It's folded up. How many want it now? Anybody take it? Say, oh, yeah, it's easier to put it in my pocket now, Pastor. What about this? You got me? You got me? What about this? Still want it? Well, come on. What? What? Why do you? Why do you want? It? Why do you want it? It's out of box. No, but it's all it's all wadded up. It's all messed up. You still want it? Then you have it, man. There you go. You have it. You have it. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's wadded up. It's broken. It's. But see, the value is not in the paper that it's printed on. The value is where it comes from and what's image is on it. And can I tell you, the value of your life is not by what other people think about you. It's not about how you look. It's not about how many likes you get on Instagram. It's not about how anybody thinks about you. You're valuable because of where you come from. You come from God. And you're valuable because of whose image is on your life. You have been made in the image of Almighty God. And you're valuable to God. So the question for us today is who is near to us but far from God because that person is so valuable to him. Let's pray all over the house. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for your truth. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us, Lord, I, who, who in our world is broken that we can make a phone call to today? Lord, not to put them down, but to lift them up. Just tell them we love them. Schedule coffee with them this week. Take them to lunch. Just tell them that they're valuable. Tell them they have a purpose. God, would you wreck our hearts for what wrecks your heart? God, I want to preach good sermons that help people and solve problems, God. But God, let us not ever think that church is about us. God, but keep this church. Lord, at the place where people are running from God. Let them have to run over us to get to hell. Let them have to run over our love and our calls and our care and our time. If they're going to run from God, break our hearts, break my heart, God, for the people in my city, for the people that live, Lord, on Shallowford Road, God, for the people that, Lord, I see them every day when I pick up my kids for school, God. Let me not just get so busy and so about my life, and I'm busy, and I have things to do, God, that I just look over the people that you love, your lost kids. Help me to see, God, it's not about me, Lord, but you've blessed me so that I can be a blessing. God, let our church, let this congregation be a church that's about the one that's ran away. God, you left the 99 and you found us right here 